Welcome to the Autumn Miles Show with your host, Autumn Miles. Autumn is an author, speaker, wife, and mother. She's the founder and CEO of The Blush Network and the author of Appointed. Autumn's vision is to engage our culture with the bold truth of God coupled with raw faith. Now here's your host, Autumn Miles. Hey, this is Autumn with The Autumn Miles Show. How are you guys doing out there today? We love you, love you, love you so much. Um, We are hearing from you. I am meeting you all over like at Chipotle. Hello. Um, (laughs) I met someone in the parking lot the other day, and they approached me. Are you Autumn Miles? Yes, that is my fluorescent blonde hair. Yes, it is. Um, I I, I love meeting you. Um, Thank you for messaging us and telling us um, that you like the show. P.S. That's the first thing. um, but also just just being so encouraging. You know, I, w- I was just talking to uh, one of my assistants just about the virtual ministry that we lead here. You know, radio, we don't we don't ever get to see you. Um, I see a microphone and then I stare at Dan um, for <laughs> hours. So when you come up and say, hey, I'm listening to your show and or watch your video or whatever it is, let me tell you how much that encourages us. So, 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 so much. We love you. We are praying for you. You are prayed for. You are prayed over here. We, um, we, the reason we even do this show is to talk about bold faith, bold truth. We want you to be bold in your walk with Christ because we, we live in a time, y'all, that we have got to stop being so, oh, cupcakey. <laughs> Is that even a term? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like sugary. We need we need to proclaim um, what God's word says, and we need to do it in a bold way. Now, now we can do it in a loving way. Um, you don't have to like take your take your KJV and and beat someone upside the head with it. But we do need to talk about the truth of God's word because we know that He's the answer. So bold truth, raw faith. I want you guys stepping out. I we need some Joshuas to step up. We've got a Joshua on the show today. I cannot wait to talk to our guest today. We need some Moseses to step up. Um, we need some people to step up scared, but step up to the plate of faith and believe that God will do what he says that he will do, that he has the capacity to still roll back the Red Sea. We need uh, we need uh, some raw faith up in here. I don't want to waste any more time with all my PSAs, but I uh, so I want to introduce you to our guest today. Guys, I'm obsessed with her. I'm obs- I think this is such an uh on time word for our society, just for 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 the church, for the unchurched. This is such an on time word. Uh my guest today is Mo Isom. Okay, she is uh she's a New York Times bestseller. Um, of a book, Wreck My Life, which came out in 2016. But I, I want to read you her bio because she is like she is like boss babe. Um, she's a former All-American goalkeeper for LSU, y'all, soccer team, and holds the all-time goalkeeper record as well as number three section. Section? I don't, I don't really. SEC. I don't know what that is, but hopefully she'll tell us. All-time shutout record. She trained with the U.S. Women's National Program and was honored as a National Player of the Week. She was featured in Sports Illustrated, ESPN, The Ellen Show, CBS, Seven's Hunters Club. She's she's basically been all over, okay? She is married. Her husband's name is Jeremiah Aiken, and they have two children. They live in Atlanta. 
But y'all, she just wrote a book and, and all of that is amazing. And God has given her such an incredible platform. Um, and, and he, but it, it is led to this, this on time word for 2018. She just released a book, sex, Jesus, and the conversations, the church forgot. Let me say that again. Sex, Jesus, and the conversations the church forgot. Now, let me get, leave you uh, with a little disclaimer here before we get into just the meat of not only today's show. We're going to wrap this in a, a two-day a two day thing. So uh, she'll be back on the show with us tomorrow. Um, if you have a young child and you don't want them to hear about sex in general, okay, um, we would just say, uh, that's what we're going to be talking about because it needs to be talked about. So I know a lot of you moms, uh, the time the show airs, you guys are picking up your kids from school and whatever. It is okay for you to turn off the radio, but I would say you must come back to hear this podcast, okay? If you're waiting in the pickup line, listen as long as you can without your kids uh, coming in. And if you don't care and you want them to hear it, well, then there you go. But um, I I have definitely warned you. Um, I want you guys all to give a big welcome to my guest today, Mo Isom. How are you today, honey? Hello, I am doing great. I'm loving your energy. This is I feel so pumped up now to just... (laughs) <laughs> just tear down the walls and just blast through this topic. Um, no, it is it is a total treat to be on with you. I'm excited. Well, we a lot of people say that, and um, it's. I think we stopped at Starbucks this morning, and I told Natalie, one of the girls that works for me, I said, "Man, my heart's going to be skipping." Do you ever have that happen, Mo? Do you are you a coffee drinker, Mo? I am a coffee drinker, and I will tell you, yesterday. I was going to be on um, the happy hour with Jamie Ivy, and I drank too much coffee beforehand. <laughs> so then in the interview, I couldn't even see clearly. And so I get the heart skipping. I was like, I overdid it. I totally overdid it. And so I'm with you. That's okay. <laughs> I'm so glad. We had for King and Country on uh, like not too long ago. And I'm like, do you drink coffee? Because we had stopped at Starbucks that day too. And he's like, oh, yes, my father-in-law has uh, like roast his own beans on this field and he goes into this and I was like oh my goodness I cannot believe that that you actually had that answer that was pretty amazing that was was elaborate I know okay so that's where I'm at today like super caffeinated um can you since you're gonna be with us for two days I feel like I can kind of relax and we're not on such a, a time crunch Talk to me about being the most awesome goalkeeper of all time for LSU. What was that like? You know what? When you read off my bar those things, I just sit in this moment looking back to the glory days because currently I have birthing hips and I, <laughs> I push out 10-pound babies. Um, oh, wow. In my heyday, I was, uh, yeah, I was a, a goalkeeper at LSU and um, just loved it, just loved I miss suiting up and competing and representing a school and just overall just just knocking people over. Um, I was I'm like six foot one, and so the mm. goalkeeper position was just a great fit, and it was fun. And you carry like all the pressure on your shoulders because if you make the great save, you're the hero, and if yeah. you let the goal in, you're the villain. And it was just <laughs> it was fun. It was intense, and it was it was I miss it. I miss if I tried to kick anything now, I would tear everything. Are, are you my sh- hips down? Uh, well, and everything. that's what I when they when I was looking over all this, I was thinking, I wonder if she can still do all this stuff. Like goalkeeping, I you, you have to be in great shape. But I would be 
so sore the next day. Really? I could do it. I still have, I mean, it's just muscle memory, you know, when you've played that long, but right. I would, I would pay for it so hard the next day. Sports <laughs> Illustrated. That's pretty cool. I bet that was awesome too, right? It was, it was, you know, my second game ever as a freshman at LSU, I actually scored a 90 yard goal. Um, so I know you can watch it on YouTube and stuff. It was crazy. And so it made like ESPN's top plays and, um, it was got us in sports illustrated and it was just this amazing kickoff to my collegiate career. Um, it still is neat to look back at. It was a really, really special moment. And so, yeah, it was fun. And then, um, just sort of went from there. We just built momentum as we went from there and that's I so it. cool. It's I awesome. think everyone it's in the, the, the studio or Natalie that I'm looking at is is YouTubing your uh, 90, 90 yard goal. <laughs> yeah, you'll see it struck it and it went about seventy yards and then just took the perfect bounce over the other goalkeeper's head and became the worst day of her life <laughs> and the best day of mine. <laughs> oh, I love it! I love it! I love Perfectly it! Perfectly well, timed. Well, the congratulations for that. I probably couldn't even kick it nine feet. That's that's pretty great. Okay, <laughs> so you. let's get to your book. Um, Sex, Jesus, and the Conversations the Church Forgot. Now, so Mo, I am, when when we, we were uh, just talking about this in pre-production meetings, what hit my head was, I don't know how old you are, and I'm not going to make you tell me, but um, I guess it's not that big of a deal these days. Some people are like, don't care. I am 30. Yeah, I'm only 28. I'm still a baby. Oh my goodness. You yeah. are. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. But that, that'll even bring context of what I'm saying. So I am 37 and I, um, growing up, I grew up in a Baptist church. My dad was a Baptist preacher. We had purity nights. Um, oh gosh. So, so many of these, like, um, you know, promise ring things, ceremonies where, where I would go to a ceremony with girls and boys. And of course they were absolutely separated and we right. would promise to not have sex before we were married. It was true love weights was like the yes. era. I grew up in the true love weights era. I was trying to think of what it was. Um, nobody does that these days. <laughs> like nobody. And, uh, you know, I think looking, looking back, you know, sometimes we would think it was a little bit cheesy. But mm-hmm. honestly, there was an awareness of how powerful sex was in the church, you know, in the 80s and the 90s. Um, At least they were attempting to do something about um, sex, which now is a complete and total catastrophe. Um, Everything, uh, I mean, you know, pornography, which we're definitely going to get into because I want to talk about that. So important. Um, so you wrote this book, uh, just just released, and um, when when you put in the title, The Conversations the Church Forgot, I couldn't give it a more heartier amen. So tell me about where did this come from? What What's your heart behind it? Just what's some background for our listeners before we get into kind of what you discuss in the book? Sure, yeah. So I, when I wrote my first book, Wreck My Life, it was my testimony of coming to faith. Um, and you know, a lot of my past, it involved a lot of, of really crazy adversity of, you know, identity issues and eating disorder and the suicide of my father and this really horrific car accident and all of this trial that built up to the moment where I came to know Christ in my life very much transformed. And as I was writing that book, there was such a sexual narrative that, that paralleled 
everything, you know, going on in my life and my testimony. And there was a great transformation that happened when I came to know Christ. But I knew I couldn't just squeeze this topic into that story. Mm -hmm. Like it needed legs of its own. It had to breathe because it is such a massive and multi-layered conversation that by and large, we aren't having. Mm. And we aren't, if we are, we aren't having it correctly. You know, we're, we're stumbling around the right things to say. And oftentimes we're, you know, sort of drowned out of the conversation by a world that is just facilitating this great screaming match of a sexual debate. Yeah, And it feels like, I felt like first and foremost, this narrative needed its own 50,000 words because there were so many different layers to it. Mm. Um, but it also, I wanted to equip people with the power and the revelation that God had really spoken to my heart and used in redeeming my sexual testimony and the ways he had opened my eyes to the truth about sex and how you know, beautifully deep and complex it really is, how it's an act of worship he's given mm. us. It is mm. a gift he's given us, how much we have twisted and cheapened and perverted and idolized it in our world and how that leads to brokenness. And so I wanted to be able to equip people and put a tool in their hands, first and foremost, to move through and reckon and wrestle with the own, their own bondage or shame or, you know, sexual past but then also to equip them in the conversations we need to be having and the, the healing and the hope and the restoration, but also just the, the practical, let's just take this bite by bite and eat this elephant. Like, how do we talk about these things? What should we be saying? And what does the word of God say? What mm. does God have to say about sex? So mm. it was just a lot of things all stirred together. And it's amazing because the publishing process is a long process. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But, you know, God gave me this title back in 2015, and I never would have imagined wow. where we would be culturally in 2018 and how perfect the timing would be mm. of really boldly stepping into this conversation and saying, rise up, let, wake up, dry bones, like yeah. church, body of believers, come on. Come on. Let's, let's understand it in our own hearts and let's start to talk about it. Because there's a hurting world out there that needs to know the truth. Absolutely. of what God has to say about sex. So, yes, and I love the fact that you are so bold and you cover topics, which I've got to tell you in my own sphere of influence, um, uh, not even not even ministry sphere. Hey guys, if you just tuned in, we are talking to Mo Isum. You can pick up her book anywhere books are sold, Sex, Jesus, and the Conversations the Church Forgot, or go to her website, moisom.com. Okay, let's just talk in my own personal sphere, okay? Uh, family, friends, stuff like that. This this one topic I have been asked about or have have heard of conversations about, I would say in the last month, maybe five or six times. So this is, this is something that people are talking about. And, um, you know, I know one of the things is pornography that you cover yeah. in the book. I mean, these are not kids that I'm talking about. Uh, about pornography about this is not this is not a 13 year old boy Th these are grown right. people that struggle with this and p.s not just men women i am talking to this more and more and more and more people think it's just a man's problem it is so not it is so not 
Um, that's a lie. It is so not. Okay, so yeah. I don't want to quite get into that right right yet. Maybe maybe you'll with this next question. Um, t- so tell me a little bit. Those of those that didn't um, read your first book, "Wreck My Life," which, by the way, listeners, I would suggest you pick up. Tell me a little bit about your own story in this area um, to relate to to some of these topics that you talk about. Yeah. So you know, my sexual past—the best way to describe it—is just messy. It's just messy. It was, you know, similar to you. I was raised in the church, um, and the church had a lot to say about sex, but it was more about behavior modification and true heart transformation. Mm. It was a to-do list of right and wrong, of good or bad, of this is sin or this is not, and you better wait, you know, and it, I, I made those virginity vows. I waved mm. that proud banner of, you know, my purity ring and my decision, but um, I didn't actually, I, di- I wasn't equipped with anything deeper when temptation truly then entered the equation. I never knew why it mattered to care about what God had to say and to be obedient to it. I never knew what God had to say. I just knew I wasn't supposed to have sex until I was married. And I never knew why it mattered to obey. And so, um, you know, I sort of, I I moved through a lot in my, I call it my BC days, my before Christ days. (laughs) I, uh, I moved through a lot of, you know, misguidance and misbehavior and rebellion and then repentance and this roller coaster ride of, of the sexual journey of waving this virginity banner, but like pushing every envelope I could behind closed doors um, of really, my question was always, you know, how far is too far? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what is, what actually counts as still being a virgin and how far can I push that envelope? Um, and then was exposed very young to pornography and that became something that captivated my mind and my heart in such a broken way. And really from age 8 to 18, struggled with, I would, I would almost call it an addiction to pornography, um, behind closed doors again in the darkness. And, you know, that led to promiscuity um, and trying to keep up with a world that says this is what you should do when you, you know, at what point you should, if you're this age, if you're dating a boyfriend, you know, and just giving pieces of myself away further and further and further. And um, it just really led me to a point where I I was so desensitized, Mm. so broken, so hurting in college then after the suicide of my father. I mean, any sin-sized piece I could seek to fill that God-sized hole in my heart, and that always manifested as as sexual struggles. And, you know, just so resonated with the woman at the well who was coming back time and time and time again and never satisfied, walking that same course back and forth and never being satisfied, giving men my body in hopes they would give me their heart, and and it just never happened. And I even ended up at one point I write about in the book um, involved in an, an extramarital affair involved with a married man and didn't realize it. And um, it just so much sexual brokenness and misguidance. Mm. And then the living water arrived Mm. and Jesus just intersected my life and wrecked my life and wrecked my, my, my complete picture of, sex and sexuality and all of this brokenness. And he just 
entered in and began to do a really holy heart work um, in my life in light of his grace and his mercy and, and just transformed everything. And so I could just keep going. I'll just keep preaching about the transformation. But that was really the backstory behind that's the mess that I dig into in this book. I mean, all of these very broken things and, and why I, I missed it. So, so in such a big capacity, why rule following never satisfied, you know, why, immodesty followed, why promiscuity followed, why, you know, this just desensitized living in the darkness and perverting privacy followed and all of these broken things that I kept um, hidden and all of this affirmation I saw in all the wrong places. And so I just look around and it's it's everyone. It's It's so many women who might have different stories, but have the same heart struggles going on. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why aren't we standing up and shouting this from the mountaintop that, guess what? I know your pain, but I know a healer. Yeah. Like, I know, I know the one that can transform this. I know that you don't have to live in this bondage, this shame, this guilt, this confusion. Even so many of us carried into marriage. You know, yeah. I came to know Christ. Honestly, I write about this in the book, too. I was in an intimacy fast and felt so self-righteous and understanding all these amazing things and then met the man that's now my husband and we fell right back into the sexual sin struggle. And this is when I'm starting ministry and I'm still in a sexual sin struggle Mm. and then carry bondage into marriage that I never expected would follow me there. How many women think we stand at the altar and say, I do, and that's where the sexual, Mm. you know, struggle ends and how false that is. Okay, so do everything he can to pull us apart in marriage. And so I just keep going forever. Well, I don't honestly, I don't want to stop you because all of this stuff is so important. If you engage, I mean, uh, you know, Mo, I was married before my husband. I've been married to to my husband now for 14, almost 14 years in May. But um, I was married before my husband to an abusive man. We were sexually active mm-hmm. before we got married. And then and then uh, abuse takes like crazy forms uh, sexually and stuff. And yeah. um, that we ha- ha- had to work through. I mean, we're getting raw today. Just P.S. listeners yeah. who are like, well, this is too real for me. Well, you know what? This is what's happening. And you got we, we must face it. We must look at the reality of how we live. I want to talk to you about a couple of things that I hear all the time. You 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 write about virginity in your book being works based. I thought that was so, so good. Um, that no one is saying works based. If you don't ha- don't have sex before you're married, and you know you get you get a gold star. Um, congratulations right. on that. But but what about your life being completely surrendered? I want. Can you just take a couple minutes and talk about the difference between works based and truly just your life surrendered to the things of the Lord? Yeah, I think I write in the book. You know, virginity is our works based answer to a life surrender question because we. Um, we get virginity and what the X's and O's of that looks like, and yet we are so massively missing true purity Yeah, and mm-hmm. why that is what God actually cares about. That's what he actually calls us to. That is purity of thought, purity in our actions, purity in our words, becoming, depending on the pure and perfect sacrifice that was Jesus. 
and understanding the responsibility of carrying ourselves as pure vessels so the Holy Spirit can work and shine through us. Mm -hmm. You know, understanding purity from a bigger picture of, oh, God just doesn't want me to just, you know, be pure sexually so I get the gold star and let me be a virgin. But no, actually, God wants relationship with you, and he wants accountability. He wants us to be intentional with our lives. And, and intentionally living pure lives so he can use us mm-hmm. for the very things he called us to yeah. so that he can, you know, exercise the gifts and the talents and the things that he's knit into us so we're not owned by shame and guilt and rule following and then beating ourselves up because we couldn't or didn't follow the rules. You know, it's I so much lived in the virginity sphere and never understood Purity, the greater why mm. that God calls us to what he calls us to. And, you know, the reality is that our actions are an overflow of our heart. Mm. And so it's why God cares more about a, a pure heart, because pure actions will become a, will, will overflow from a pure heart. Virginity should be a beautiful byproduct yeah. of a pure heart seeking to know and to please and to live a life lorded by God. But impure actions are what come out of an impure heart. And so if you actually look at scripture, God doesn't talk about virginity all that much. He talks about purity. That's right. <laughs> he talks about creating me a pure heart, yes. oh God. Mm. You know, and, and so that was something I massively missed, but that's a foundational, you know, pillar of sexuality. And with that, we are going to have to call it a day. You guys, you guys are not going to want to miss tomorrow. We get into pornography, talk a lot about that, and just the hope. That lies in the name of Jesus. Uh, Do not miss tomorrow. Tune back in. We're also going to podcast this to catch the remaining of our conversation with Mo Isom and her book, Sex, Jesus, and the Conversation the Church Forgot. Thanks for listening. Join me back here tomorrow. Thanks so much for listening today. The Autumn Miles program is listener supported and your donation to keep it on the air is appreciated. To make a donation, visit autumnmiles.com. And with a $100 donation or more, you'll receive an autographed copy of Autumn's book, Appointed, Your Future Starts Now. Join us next time for the Autumn Miles Show on The Word, 100.7 FM.